Our call to worship this morning is found in Pew Bible, page 615. If you'd like to follow along. <clears throat> I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. You can find our scripture in Pure Bible, page 621. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars go dark and the clouds return after the rain when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop when the grinders cease because they are few when those looking through through the windows grow dim Our New Testament reading can be found in Galatians 6, verses 7 through 9, found on page 1078 in your Pew Bible. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. People reap what they sow. Those who sow to please their sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. Those who sow to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. For those of you fortunate or unfortunate, however enough uh, you want to view that, to go to an Adventist school in their youth, you will remember that on the left-hand side of the report card, it had a whole column of things with check marks. Satisfactory, not satisfactory, needs considerable work kind of thing. Among those many things were practices, good safety habits. I always got a check there. Needs to make improvement. That's because I liked to run down the hallway as fast as I could and slide up to the drinking fountain, which somebody considered a hazard. I never hurt myself. <laughs> the other one I got checked all the time was uses time wisely. I was a bit of a doddler and a silly heart, I'm guessing. Certainly a touch of ADD in there somewhere, and uh, was never considered all through grade school by any of my teachers to have used my time well. Uh, Gene, we're getting a real echo in my mic. Is there any way to tone that? So. Things don't change. I still struggle with using time well. I, I don't know how many, you don't have to raise your hand, it's kind of embarrassing. Some of you are really good at it. I think my wife is fabulous at it. Maybe that's part of why I married her. She is, from the moment she gets up to the, the moment she goes to bed, she uses time really, really well. She's extremely efficient. She's a model citizen. She got the good check mark. I just never, you know. 
So for, for some of us, it's more of a struggle than it is for others, but time is an interesting thing because it's an unrenewable, non-renewable resource. It's perhaps the most valuable non-renewable resource ever, and certainly the most valuable non-renewable resource in your life. You lose money, you can get more money. You crash a car, you can buy another car. Almost anything you can think of in life somehow can be replaced, but not time. When it's gone, it's gone and you don't get it back. I've been feeling a little depressed about that lately. I had a birthday in August, and I'm not as happy about that as I could be. I'm not as happy about the birthdays anymore as I used to be. Now, what, what is wrong with this picture? A birthday's a birthday, right? What has changed? I'll tell you what has changed. I have less time left in my career than I have behind me in my career. That's a sobering thought. Depending on my longevity, and we'll see how that goes, I may have less life. In fact, I'm sure I will behind, uh, ahead of me than I have behind me. The chances of me living to 100 or more are slim. I used to say I wanted to live to 200, and my wife would say, Hun, is that pounds or years? So I just marched right past that pound marker, which means there's no chance I'll live to 200 years. <laughs> Technology is going to have to come a long way for that to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm a little depressed about the time thing because I'm realizing there's just nothing to do about it. It marches on. And while I've accomplished, I think, a few things, and I'm, I'm not unhappy about many of the things I've accomplished and certainly spent my time in, uh, in useful ways and in relational ways. I'm, I'm not completely unhappy with that. I don't want to present a picture of one who stands before you uh, completely uh, having wasted life. I can still look back and say, I wonder if I used my time as well as I might have. No doubt, no. I'm increasingly vulnerable about this, too. I don't know. Some of you have friended me, as I uh, hoped you would, on Facebook. Actually, I've still had to chase you down and friend you, but thank you for adding me anyway. Uh, feels, feels good. That, that, no. And uh, you've noticed, if you've followed my post, which you probably haven't because you didn't friend me in the first place, and so it's, it's all right, um, that I'm taking a television sabbatical. I posted that. Now, that's out there for the world to see, and a lot of people are sharing with me that they've done the same thing or are doing the same thing or have been on a television sabbatical for 38 years because they're addicted to TV and watch anything that passes on the screen. I figured I was getting to the point where I needed one when I had 600 channels at my disposal and could never find anything worth watching. Click, 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 and my mouth just kind of hanging open, you know, click, 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 click. I figured this was not a good use of time. And I'm sure many of you are there too. You're caught up in something, may not be TV, but you're caught up in something that's not a great use of time. Gaming, video gaming, online gaming. Who knows? Maybe it's just the extraordinary amount of time you spend grooming your dog. I, I don't know. Whatever it is for you, are you spending your time the way you want to spend it? 
Is God a part of the way you spend your time? Because we've been talking about this in some sort of high-headed, high-minded ways, very theological, very abstract, very intellectual, very cool, I think, ways about the story of God and humanity and the story of Jesus set in that story, and is it an important story, and is it a meaningful story, and is it worth building our lives around? And we've said yes to that, at least I think we have. And then we've talked about practical ways to live that story out and ways to witness through the proofs that were available to us in the classical world and rhetoric. We've talked about all of these sorts of things, still building to this question. And now we're on to kind of a different series, but it still relates. How do I build my life around the story of Jesus in terms of the way I spend my time? Peter was talking about this a little bit earlier in Sabbath school with the adult Sabbath school lesson. We were asking ourselves, how much of our life is God a part of? And how do we make it more? How do we keep ourselves from organizing time and life in such a way that God isn't really a part of everything, every, everything in our lives? It's kind of a challenging question. So today I want to look at just briefly a couple of things. You know, I'm realizing I don't need to talk a long time for you to get this. This is not an elaborate point that I'm going to make today. And the sermon is, kids, if you're out there, this is for you. Here's what I've observed as I've grown older, and maybe those older than me can validate it, and those younger than me can just say, well, whatever. The older I get, the faster time goes. I don't believe time is a constant, and I don't believe it's steady. I have personal proof that with every passing year, it speeds up. There was a time when Christmas took forever to roll around. Do you remember that? I can remember being, oh, I don't know, eight years old, and we were very careful guarding the edges of the Sabbath. Never, ever did we try to do anything that would not be sacred on the Sabbath. And so at summertime, the sun would set at like, oh, I don't know, 849 or 820, really late. And I liked the show Emergency. Anybody remember that? Squad? Okay, great. Some of you are telling me your age now. Yeah, that's、uh, Emergency. It's a great show. And in the summer, it was all but over by the time I could turn the television on.、I'd, how did Sabbath last forever in July? I mean, would time not ever end? I mean, could a day be any longer than Sabbath was in July when I was a child? I mean, we're talking eternity here. I mean, you know, okay, I got to eat a donut in the morning. That was nice. Still had to put my suit on, 110 degrees, didn't matter. We went to church, got to see people. That was nice. You know, got to hear Martha Calderero sing a solo. Pastor preach forever. Some of you can relate. Lunch took forever to get to. And then it took forever to be excused from the table. And then it took forever to sunset to arrive. Okay? Don't you remember this? It's like you could live a lifetime in a Saturday. And now it's like. It's Saturday again. It's Saturday again. 
Oh, and by the way, Christmas, just around the corner. You might want to do your shopping tomorrow. <laughs> it is coming. I mean, fast. Time is accelerating. There's some sort of evil curve. It means that everything past took a lot longer than everything that's going to happen to me future. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My son was an infant in my arms, and when I dedicate a baby, I have flashbacks to that moment of time. I look in the mirror, though, and I don't look like I looked when he was an infant in my arms, and he doesn't look like he looked when he was an infant in my arms. And pretty soon, God willing, thank you, one day, I'll have a baby in my arms again, only it'll be his. And time will have marched on even more. There are many famous quotes about time, not from Scripture, but there are some of those too. But they're worth spending a minute on. I just thought I would throw these at you. They're from the website Brainy Quote, which is a great resource for finding things on any subject that you want to find. Here's one from the wise Nelson Mandela. We must use time wisely and forever realize that the time is always right, ripe, excuse me, to do right. The time is always ripe to do right, he says. Theologian C.S. Lewis, the future is something which everyone reaches at the rate of 60 minutes an hour, whatever he does, whoever he is. And I think he forgot the part about how that just continues to go faster as you get older. <coughs> Benjamin Franklin, lost time is never found again. Benjamin Franklin, you may delay, but time will not. Benjamin Franklin, your favorite one, time is? Oh, see, you all knew that one. William Penn, another one of our forefathers, time is what we want most but what we use worst. Anybody guilty? You don't have to raise your hand. Michel Leboeuf wrote, Waste your money and you're only out of money, but waste your time and you've lost a part of your life. John Wooden, the great UCLA coach, If you don't have time to do it right, when will you have time to do it over? It's pretty powerful. M. Scott Peck, psychologist and author of the book The Road Less Traveled, writes, Until you value yourself, you won't value your time. Until you value your time, you won't do anything with it. Alan Lakin. Time equals life. Therefore, waste your time and waste your life or master your time and master your life. Where and to what is your life flowing out to? And is it in living out the story of Jesus? making his story your story. That's the question. 
Ecclesiastes deals with time probably more than any other book directly. It's one of these books on wisdom that you either relate to or you don't. I happen to love it. It's so pragmatic. It infuses the everyday with the spiritual in a way that's just really, um, some might say a bit depressive because he always ends up saying everything is meaningless. But I think we could, we could all recognize that in Scripture, mankind or humankind is likened unto the grass of the field, right? It springs up, the sun comes out, it withers, and it burns if there's a fire and it's all over. Or we're plowed into the ground and it it's, uh, becomes dust again from which new grass grows. I think we can all recognize that we're like a flower that blooms but the petals drop off and blow away. I think we can all recognize that our, our finiteness defines time. We read with fascination the Old Testament and the, the stories of genealogies and the longevity of some of these characters. And, Abraham, and, and Adam lived to be, and Methuselah lived to be, and Noah lived to be hundreds of years. Isaiah 65 says something interesting. It's talking about the earth made new. Well, why don't you turn there, Isaiah 65. Isaiah's describing what he would say as a new heavens and a new earth. He says in verse 17 of 65, Behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Now we know that this passage has probably two fulfillments, correct? We apply this to the end of time and we think about what God's going to do in the earth made new, the new Jerusalem, the end of time, as we say, in that day in which all things will be renewed, including our, our lives in resurrection. But Isaiah's vision doesn't necessarily include time the way we think of it because in verse 20, he says, never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. Here, where we go. He who lives, excuse me, he who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth, and he who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. Right there in the midst of this passage that we usually think of as reserved for the earth made new and things coming in future time, is the declaration of what God wants to do in our lives here and now and wanted to do particularly for Israel and Jerusalem. Wanted Jerusalem to be the kind of city where things happened in such a way that there was prosperity, that people reached ripe old ages and rejoiced in the time that they had. Zechariah hints at the same idea, chapter 8. Chapter 8, and I'm looking at verses 3 to 5. 
You've heard me read this one before. This is what the Lord says, I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with cane in hand because of his age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. There's this image of Jerusalem, this city, in which there are, there's such prosperity, there's such peace that someone might live to a ripe old age. But beyond this ripe old age that's being described, this living to a hundred, this sort of growing old and living out our years that's present in Scripture, there's something deeper. It was in our call to worship You remember Ecclesiastes. It was in Ecclesiastes, and it was in chapter 3. I just, uh, this is the time for everything chapter, by the way, and you've heard this before, so if you have a minute, take time to read that in verses 1 through 8. Often, this is what I would like to read at a memorial service or a funeral. It's a time for everything, a time to be born and a time to die. But in 10 to 12, which was read earlier, it says, I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So in our relationship to time, one of the things that's in our hearts is eternity. It may be why we somehow think we have time to waste. I'm not sure. But when you're young, really young, you have no sense of the impending speed of time or passage of it or the way in which it's going to catch up with you or end for you. You have no sense of the termination of days. It's because God has placed eternity in our hearts. And there's a reason that goes and touches both ends of the story that we tell. In the story of creation, we're reminded that God had made us for fellowship with him and there was no expiration date. It came after the fall. Death came through sin. In Christ, we have an antidote to sin and death. In fact, he holds the keys to death and hell. And in resurrection, has demonstrated a hope for us for time to come. In his second coming and resurrection and renewal of all things, the clock is reset to Eden where time has no expiration, where we have eternity to process life and live it before our God, with our God. This is the story we tell. Creation and redemption and recreation. Fellowship face to face with God. A disruption in that and sin. God with us. A restoration. And now the possibility future of living again in the presence of God face to face. This is this ark of story that we celebrate and teach from Scripture, in which time once again 
has a different kind of value and meaning. Ecclesiastes says God has placed eternity in our hearts, and that's what we think of, and that's what we seek. We're going to talk next week about time in terms of balancing it and how we use it because it's easy to go overboard too. It's easy to think that if you ever have an unproductive second, somehow you've wasted time. If you're not working constantly, somehow you've wasted time. That if you're not doing an essential activity, that somehow you're wasting time. And life wasn't just meant for one thing or for the essentials in one thing. Life has so many facets, and there are so many values in the way we can express those values by the way we use time. But I just want us to think today about this resource that is so finite and limited and fleeting and precious to each one of us. Our text in Galatians, which I'm not going to reread, says we reap what we sow. Our life bears the fruit of what we put into it. And I just want to encourage us all to give some thought to where our lives are being invested and what sort of thing we hope to sow out of the time. Ecclesiastes 12 says it really well. And the younger you are, the more I would like for you to hear this passage and try to remember it. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they're few, and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors of the, to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and the dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along. And desire no longer is stirred. Then a man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. A grim picture, and yet we see it. In our youth, we can't relate to the so-called organ recital. By middle age, we've had a surgery or two or something, a setback, something, a broken bone that's now turned to arthritic pain in our body somewhere, an injury that's come back to haunt us from our football days. By the time we're old, it's described by difficulty hearing, difficulty seeing, everything's grown dim, stooped, Life holds fewer pleasures. I don't want to pick upon the aged, but have you ever watched them in a restaurant with salt and pepper? Why? Nothing tastes as good as it used to. Senses have faded. Ecclesiastes is reminding us to seize the day. Take advantage of time while we're young. Do what we can do. And in the process, young people, remember who made you. Remember where you come from. 
Remember what you're called to. Remember the task before you. Remember that the focus of your life that will reward you the greatest is to build your life around the story of Jesus, making his story your story. To live with purpose and focus and enjoy the days of your youth and revel in them, to celebrate life and the goodness of God and to live out your days with gratitude. Because the day is coming for all of us when it's over. And we'll await the resurrection. We'll await the eternal life to come. And while that'll happen quickly because we're sleeping and don't know the passage of time, seize the day. Let's live it for God. Let's remember how little of this precious resource each of us has and how even now it's ticking away. And so, Lord, in all things, including our time, when that great day comes, may you say to us, well done, you good and faithful servant. Amen.